Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. Hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program, our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts. This is your host, Dr. Jennifer Hunter, Assistant Director for Family Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Dr. David Weisenhorn, our Extension Specialist for Parenting and Child Development. Welcome, David. Thank you. So today's topic is about water safety, and I will say that I think it is a very timely topic that this summer is unique for many, many reasons. One thing is that public pools may not be as accessible this summer, and I have noticed a considerable uptick in either the number of friends that I have or even in a local mom's group that I follow on social media of folks getting um, either actual true um, backyard pools or maybe an inflatable backyard pool or trying to come up with some way that their kids can be at home and still be able to play in the water. So I think it's extremely important that we think about water safety and I'm glad that you're here today to share with us. Well, thank you. And you know, what's funny about that, Jennifer, is it's not just your friends who are buying or purchasing more pools or talking more about it. I actually read an article last week in USA Today that showed that consumer Google search traffic showed that pools are now the third most searched for commodity, which is a 200% increase from the prior month. And they said that the sprinkler accessories seem to rank higher at number two. So I think what that is an indication of is just what you're saying in, in that we really want water to be a part of our summer fun. But like you say, with the fun, there does come some inherent dangers. Right. And so let's talk a little bit about maybe some of those dangers or better yet, how we can uh, be better prepared to avoid the dangers altogether. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and to give a picture of what those dangers are, you know, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, drowning is the fifth leading cause of unintentional injury death for people of all ages. Uh, When we it becomes the second leading cause of unintentional injury death when we focus just on children ages one to 14. So this is for sure a topic to be taken seriously and not lightly. And so one of the ways that we want to keep having fun with the water and, and steer away from danger is that we talk about the, the inherent dangers that come with water, that we talk to our children about what water safety is. You know, it's interesting that nearly 70% of childhood drownings happen during when children aren't swimming, meaning that the intention was never to swim to begin with, but maybe just to play in the water uh, when accidents happen, when some of these drownings occur. And so telling our children that, hey, listen, we don't go near water when there's not an adult present. That means talking about when we're taking baths, when we're going to our neighbor's pool, dangling our feet in the water, maybe in one of those kiddie pools or just trying to walk in a creek when it fills up from a rainstorm. You know, accidents happen. Right. And I will say, David, that I I can remember our pediatrician, especially when our kiddos were were much younger, cautioning us that you just don't understand how little of water it takes for a child to drown. So I think we often think about the big pool, but you're exactly right that there's so many other examples of where kids are around water or exposed to water where drowning could happen. And you're right. It doesn't take much. And that's why the second tip I would have is to insist on supervision. While most public pools have 
have paid lifeguards. And when we go to the beach and public beaches, we've got somebody who's paid to watch our children. And so in some ways, it puts parents and, and family members at a sense of ease. We can become accustomed to that. And so when we have barbecues that are, are family gatherings, we think everybody's watching the pool when no one's really watching. And so one way to get around that is to identify if you do have a family pool or a pool in the backyard and people are there, that you identify at least one adult to say, hey, it's your turn to keep your eyes on. And maybe you do that for a certain amount of time so that that adult can enjoy other conversations. But one way of identifying who that person is, they say, is use some sort of a symbol. And that could be a goofy tag that they wear or maybe even a whistle around the neck. And what that symbolizes is it allows it into the adult responsible. But hey, when I have this, it's my responsibility to be keeping eyes on children because you're right. It doesn't take much and it doesn't take long for an accident, a tragic accident to occur in water. I love that tip, David, because you are right that if you're at a family member's house that, you, you know, if you're having some type of cookout, that you always do feel kind of this pull and tug of making certain, you know, top priority is washing the kids in the pool, but then also still being social. So I, I like the idea of assigning an adult and rotating that assignment, but also flagging the adult so that the other adults know, hey, this person's in charge of the water area right now. So we're going to, you know, leave him or her alone so that they can focus on their, their duty. Oh, well said. Yes, that's exactly the key. Another tip I would add to that, Jennifer, is to, to, to limit those distractions, meaning put that phone down, right? It only takes seconds for a child to slip beneath the surface and drown. Even the smallest distractions like checking social media posts or a quick phone call can be too long. So I'm not saying leave those phones at home, but maybe stow them away in silent mode so you don't get distraction because it is important to have a phone if an emergency were to occur, but let's not allow it to be the reason for the emergency. Right, right. Another point I want to talk about is because I think that it's important for new parents or parents of young children, uh, whether it's their first time or not, bath time can be a time where we really get distracted. Baths, especially for infants and toddlers, it may be the only time you feel like you're not holding that child or True. the only time you have a minute to, to kind of take a breath and to maybe check a phone or to, to multitask. And, and I, I remember those, those first years of parenting, they weren't that long ago. You know, you just realize I have got a lot to do and I want to try and do as much as I can all the time. Well, let me just say this and say this very clearly. Bath time is not the time to multitask. If your child is in the bath and you're giving them a bath, you need to be 100% attentive. Sit there, be patient. If something else arises and there really is a need to attend to something else, then cut bath time short. Let's not run the risk of leaving a child unsupervised in water. Because as you said, it takes very little amount of water and specifically only two inches, a child can still drown in that. So regardless of how full you have the tub, leaving a child unsupervised is absolutely not a good idea. David, I just, I just think that that's a great reminder because you're right, as parents, our attention is pulled in all kinds of different directions all day long. But anytime that we have our kiddos around water, that it needs to be 100% our attention and focus. And, you know, even while I talked about bath time, I think it's important to relate that same information even to kiddie pools or those small inflatable pools. You know, children oftentimes 
it doesn't take long when we get in those pools. And maybe again, the intention isn't to get into the pool, but having children unsupervised around that body of water can be extremely dangerous. You think about all the things that fall into a pool. And if a child can just lean over and try to catch that grasshopper that's skimming on the top of the water there, it might be enough to lose balance and fall into the pool. So again, supervision, especially around young children in water is, is absolutely critical. The next thing I'll, I'll add to that is this need to be urgent, right? Don't hesitate. If It's important to note that people drown silently and quickly. Uh, drownings don't appear like they do in the movies. They're not portrayed that way. A drowning person rarely splashes and thrashes around or calls for help. A child can drown in less than two inches of water. So even those kiddie pools are dangerous. If you think a child is being unsafe or is in harm's way, don't hesitate to act. Go see what you can do to help the child. You know, David, just thinking about those kiddie pools, and our kids have way outgrown those, but, you know, when they were little, if sometimes, you know, when you dumped it, if you didn't turn it upside down, it could collect rainwater. So Mm. the kids might go in the backyard to play, and you have no intention of them being anywhere around water, and kiddie pool may have gathered enough water that they could have a water incident in without you even realizing that they were around it. That is so true. And that, that is important that we drain those. Like you said, even, even if you do, you think you drain it, you tipped it over. If you leave it to where it would be ready to jump in again, a heavy rainstorm like we've had recently can fill that up with, you know, easy more than two inches of water. So again, really good point there, Jennifer. I appreciate you bringing that up. The last thing I'll mention here before we go is the the need for swim lessons. I really think swim lessons are great. I've gotten both of my children involved in swim lessons. And while they didn't love it at first, it's such a critical component. And I realize that swim lessons don't make children drown proof. So please hear me say that. But there is a very important layer of protection that helps prevent drownings. The American Academy of Pediatrics suggests that swim lessons reduce drown risks, especially for children between the ages of one and four. So by their fourth birthday, most children can learn basic water survival skills by floating and treading water, or at least getting to an exit point. And by ages five or six, most children can master the front crawl. So if your child is still learning to swim, it's critical to require a life jacket. Life jackets could always be worn in and around natural bodies of water or lakes or oceans or around those kiddie pools, especially if your child doesn't know how to swim yet. Having a life vest on them can always be a good way to keep that child safe. And if you're interested in learning more about swim lessons, you can check the county contact in your local extension office and they may be able to provide some information for you. Yeah, I will say, David, that um, neither of my parents knew how to swim. So when my brother and I were tiny, my mom put us in swim lessons because she was insistent that we were going to be good swimmers because she was scared around the water. She knew that her and my dad did not know how to swim. And so she was, she wanted us to be strong swimmers, but she was also concerned that she couldn't protect us in the water. So that that's one memory that I have from childhood. But then it also then with our kids, it's how important it is to have swim lessons. I will say though, that I felt like it's taken both of my kids longer to become what I would consider to be strong swimmers than it did my brother and I. And I don't know if that's just because we had more time when we were kids or we're from a generation of where, you know, you just spent every day in the summer at the pool and my kids haven't had that opportunity. But definitely getting them lessons just to increase their comfort level and they also learn about the dangers is so, so important. 
Well, and I appreciate that story, Jennifer, because I think that's important. I think it can be easy as a parent to think, oh, I'm a good swimmer. If my child needs my help, I can help them. But just to realize that those accidents happen so quickly and you may not be aware of it, that it really is important to to equip our children with those skills of just being able to learn how to float on their back. And so there's a lot of things that even young children can do before being able to master a stroke that could prevent some serious harm uh, and danger in the water. And David, one other thing that I want to kind of circle back to that you just mentioned there about life fest, and I'm going to get the terminology wrong, but you just you just said the right word, so you can you can fix what I say wrong here. But I think so often parents take comfort in maybe like the little floaties on on an arm or mm-hmm. a pool noodle to to keep a kid safe, but that that is not the equivalent of having on a life jacket or a life vest. And I know with public pools that often that they won't even let in the the floaties or the the pool noodle, but they will allow the true certified life vests. That is correct, and they they will have a certification in their in those uh, personal flotation devices, those P- PDFs. They will have those marked whether or not they are Coast Guard certified. And so those are easy to, to identify when you purchase a vest. And you're right, those floaties, arm floaties and noodles, they do not take the place of uh, a life vest or a life preserver. So that's, that's a really good point to bring up. And, and so like a lot of public pools, they don't require that. I think as parents, if we have pool, uh, pools in our, our backyard or have uh, water activities that we make sure our children are safe by getting the proper equipment. Excellent. Dr. Weisenhorn, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition and health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and comment on Facebook at UKFCSEXT. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for family and consumer sciences. We build strong families. It starts with us.